Good morning. My name is Teresa Long, and I, Senator Reinbold has invited me here today to testify to the truth. The information I'm presenting, Senator Reinbold, is made as a protected communication under 10, Title 10 U.S.C. 1034 as a whistleblower. My opinions are my own and do not reflect that of the United States Army, the DOD, or any entity thereof. Over the past year, I've received probably close to 100 interview and speaking requests. I've only been moved to accept a handful of these, but I was so convicted to testify to the truth to the beautiful people of Alaska that on the heels of losing my father, I welcome the opportunity to honor him by being who he raised me to be. My father's passion in life was studying health science and helping people. My father did not want to take the COVID-19 vaccine, but after relentless threats of further isolation and fear, he took the vaccine. Several months ago, <clears throat> we found out my father had widespread metastatic cancer and was terminal. My father spent the majority of the next 11 weeks after his diagnosis in isolation from friends and family by draconian COVID quarantine policies. It took heroic efforts by my sister to get my father out of the hospital and back to Minnesota, where he could spend his final days around loved ones. Just days before my father passed, my religious accommodation request was denied by the same service I had served faithfully for over 30 years. My father died knowing that my faith was not valued. How many people here in Alaska can relate to this form of for your own good healthcare? Fellowship is the lifeblood of our health. Involuntary isolation used to be called imprisonment. Now it's been rebranded as, quote, the new healthcare. My father understood the peril that we faced in this battle, but more importantly, he understood the power of faith and prayer. In what would be one of our last conversations, he told me, Teresa, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Take care of your men and women. And in all things, praise God. Of course, I have a heart for Alaska. I'm an aerospace medicine doctor, and aviation is the lifeline for hundreds of thousands of Alaskans, and perhaps the only true way to appreciate the magnitude of Alaska's beauty. I served in the enlisted and officer ranks in the US Army since 1991. The Army has trained me as an expert in aerospace and occupational medicine. My testimony here today is based on my firsthand medical training, my background in public health, epidemiology research, and as a flight surgeon. Senator, I have grave concerns about the health and safety of our servicemen and women. Today, I'm going to cover six areas regarding how the vaccine mandate has impacted the health and safety of our servicemen, degrading our national security. <clears throat> My firsthand experience. 
Back in September 2021, I submitted an affidavit in the Robert B. Austin case in which I outlined how the DOD was violating its own risk management process in their push to mandate the vaccination of every member of the armed forces with an experimental vaccine. After my testimony was made public, the DOD made no effort to investigate my safety concerns. On November 4th, 2021, I was called to testify before the permanent ranking member of the Subcommittee on Investigations, Senator Ron Johnson. In that testimony, I reported that in one day, I had to ground three out of three pilots for vaccine injuries. One of those pilots I spoke of was a college athlete prior to being selected for flight training. Just 12 days prior to completing his training as an Apache pilot, I saw him for chest pain after vaccination. I subsequently diagnosed him with myocarditis or inflammation of the heart that left him with permanent scarring of the muscle so significant that it increased his risk of sudden cardiac death at the age of 24. I filed a VAERS report on him like I have many other vaccine injured pilots. The cardiac damage was not compatible with continued flight status, nor was it compatible with continued military service. Months after the soldier left Fort Rucker, I called him to check on him. I reviewed his medical records only to discover that his immunization record had been altered to make it look as though he had been vaccinated after he developed myocarditis. A review of records started to reveal a pattern of alterations in vaccine records, several of which were previously submitted VAERS reports. Falsification of medical records is a crime. These men and women, these are your sons and daughters. They are the best of us. Evidence for harm. In 2021, after reviewing cases of two service members with pituitary brain tumors, I searched for answers to determine if there was a pathophysiologic basis that this new et messenger RNA technology could cause brain tumors. I engaged the C19 group. This was a group of over 450 doctors, scientists, mathematicians, and Nobel laureates from around the world who were looking at early outpatient treatment options for SARS-CoV-2 and vaccine safety. The answer to my question came right from research from Pfizer that demonstrated that the spike protein is the pathogenic portion of the coronavirus, meaning it causes blood vessel dysfunction leading to microclots, and it also suppresses the tumor suppressor gene that prevents cancer. Then experts pointed me to Pfizer's own biodistribution study. The biodistribution study tells you where in the body the drug goes and how much of it concentrates in each organs. <clears throat> I reviewed the Pfizer's biodistribution study that proved not only that the messenger RNA COVID vaccine did not stay locally in the muscle after injection, as we were told, but in fact concentrated in the pituitary of the brain, the spinal cord, lung, liver, adrenal glands, ovaries, uterus, thyroid, bone marrow, heart, eyes. If you look at this biodistribution study, you can see 
that over time, the concentration of the messenger RNA and the lipid nanoparticle increase in these critical areas. So now we have indisputable evidence of where the vaccine could go and what it could do once it got there. The answer was yes, yes, the messenger RNA wrapped in a lipid nanoparticle delivery system crosses the blood-brain barrier and concentrates in the pituitary and spinal cord. When I raised my concerns to the director of the Defense Health Agency and forwarded her a copy of Pfizer's biodistribution study, the response was, it made no sense. In light of what we now know about the DOD's collaboration with Pfizer to conduct a phase three clinical research trial on DOD personnel, it is concerning that the very person who oversaw immunizations for the whole defense health agency didn't recognize Pfizer's biodistribution study, nor the significance of the messenger RNA crossing the blood-brain barrier. <clears throat> Here's the second part. And uh, note the concentration in the ovaries is at almost 12, uh, 12 times more than anywhere else. The Defense Medical Epidemiology Database. In the absence of transparency and a functioning medical surveillance system, I believe the information and expertise I gained from having access to the uncensored C-19 group, my firsthand experience monitoring the health of my brigade, and the data from the Defense Medical Epidemiology Database uniquely have equipped me with invaluable insight into the emerging deleterious effects of the COVID vaccine on aviation safety. <clears throat> As a brigade surgeon, I'm required to review the health of roughly 4,000 young 20 to 30 year old pilots, air crew members and soldiers every month. I have to give an accounting to the commander on any pilot or air crew member whose medical condition prevents them from participating in flight training. Biostatistical analysis of the past three years of these monthly health reviews shows alarming trends that started only after the introduction of the COVID-19 vaccination. These trends are more obvious because the population is specifically selected for aviation duties based on their superior level of health and fitness. In 15 years of taking care of soldiers, I have never seen the litany of debilitating and potentially deadly medical conditions that included strokes, transit ischemic attacks, pericarditis, myocarditis, erratic heart rates, arrhythmias, rapid onset and progression of various cancers to include testicular cancer, esophageal cancer, brain tumors, neuroendocrine tumors, thyroid dysfunction, multiple sclerosis, cognitive impairment, persistent, severe insomnia, suppression of the immune system, unprovoked clots in the splenic and portal vein, liver dysfunction, menstrual irregularities, and miscarriages. This cluster of medical conditions represented a dramatic shift in the acuity of medical conditions normally seen in this population. When I reached out to the Army Public Health Command and numerous senior medical leaders about my safety concerns, I was ignored. Threats against my career were made, but no appropriate actions were taken to fully investigate the number and the scope 
of adverse medical events after the vaccination. <clears throat> the DEMA database um, is a database in which military healthcare professionals can perform queries to determine medical trends among active duty personnel using international codes of disease, ICD codes. An ICD code corresponds to specific diseases, injuries, or illness. Since the DOD uses one electronic medical record system worldwide, the DMED is arguably one of the most accurate epidemiology databases in the United States. For example, I could query how many times healthcare providers across the DOD had diagnosed an active duty service member with ICD I 26 pulmonary embolisms going all the way back to 1991. <clears throat> As you can see, these are cases of diagnoses of pulmonary embolisms that healthcare providers in the military have made across the DOD in years 2016 through 2021. I was unable to get transparency from senior medical leaders on vaccine adverse events, so I began looking up ICD codes in the DMED that corresponded to rare medical conditions I was seeing in my population. The pathophysiologic basis for these medical conditions was, again, supported by the bio, Pfizer's biodistribution study and further validated by their cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse events. Is it a coincidence that the unusual medical conditions I was seeing in my soldiers were the very medical conditions Pfizer and the FDA had seen during clinical trials? Pfizer's report detailed 1,291 significant and debilitating adverse events after vaccination seen during the clinical trials. Here are some more of the DMED findings. You heard Rosie talk about her thyroid um, autoimmune disorder. Pregnancy with abortive outcome. Congenital malformations <clears throat> of babies. Cancer of the breast. When you took the DMAN data and you overlaid various reports on service members, you see that the curves correlate perfectly. <clears throat> Here is two out of the nine pages outlined in the 1,291 adverse events. All the conditions in blue are incompatible with safety of flight. All of the highlighted conditions in yellow are conditions I have personally seen. In the FDA's October 2020 to October 22, 2020 presentation regarding safety surveillance of COVID-19 vaccines proves the FDA was aware of these vaccines were dangerous and deadly. <clears throat> this list of devastating cardiovascular, neurologic, autoimmune, pregnancy, and reproductive complications should have been unacceptable, not only in Army aviation, but also for military leaders across the DOD 
physicians across the country and regulatory agencies like the FDA. After finding, <clears throat> after finding catastrophic DMED data, I had doctors Major Sam Sigaloff and Lieutenant Colonel Pete Chambers independently verify the data. Within hours of the DMED data being presented to Senator Johnson, Moderna lost $140 billion in stock. When the DMED data, I'll take that. When the DMED data was presented to the Aviation Center of Excellence Command General, Major General Francis, and he demanded an explanation for the data from the Defense Health Agency, the DHA took 47 days to formulate a response to data with devastating national security implications. 47 days to explain data and how was this data a surprise to the very people responsible for monitoring it. The fact that the DHA had to be alerted to the data by me is at best an indictment of gross medical negligence and dereliction of duty in the medical surveillance of our force during the Super Bowl of pandemics, and at worst, an intentional act of medical treason. How could any military leader review the following data outlined from our own medical database and continue to order service members to take an experimental drug? At the very least, leaders should have reflexively stopped all vaccinations until a full investigation was completed. These questions demand investigations and answers. The intentional harm of U.S. citizens and service members is unacceptable. <clears throat> I requested and received a report from the CDC on the number and type of vaccine adverse events made on service members. There are 9,953 reports, 10% of which are deadly, debilitating, or required hospitalization. There were 119 deaths after vaccination of our service member, men and women in one year when there was 93 deaths of service members from all branches and components across the DOD attributed to the COVID infection in two years. Over the last two years, military medical professionals have received numerous emails on a daily and weekly basis regarding everything COVID. What was missing was equal vigilance and fervor for risk communication on emerging adverse medical events and complications after COVID vaccines were mandated. The, CARE, the CARES Act financially incentivized everything COVID except vaccine safety reporting. Medical professionals are required by law to file VAERS reports for monitoring vaccines safety that result in billions of dollars of profit for Big Farm. But why when our regula regulatory agencies are ignoring these safety signals? <clears throat> Recently, the CDC director admitted that the agency gave false information on COVID-19 vaccine safety monitoring. The very agencies Americans trusted to monitor the safety of this experimental vaccine admitted to being sound asleep at the wheel, while whistleblower doctors across the country who dared to raise concerns were demonized, censored, silenced, reprimanded, and retaliated against. But what about the DOD? Surely professionals tasked with the health surveillance of our fighting force would be vigilant, 
vigilant in monitoring signals of harm from this drug. Unlike VAERS reports made by civilians, VAERS reports on service members were easily verified using the single electronic medical record system the DOD uses. VAERS reports on service members presented the single most accurate and verifiable accounts of post-vaccination injury in the United States. Yet to date, military medical professionals across the DOD have never received any communication to indi indicate any such active medical surveillance has taken place. In fact, I am concerned that executives at Pfizer Pharmaceutical have superior transparency on the number, frequency, and severity of these post-vaccination events than military personnel who have a non-financial fiduciary duty to the health of our force. Stop and think about it. The strategic compromise of our national defense that has occurred by surrendering, surrendering unlimited power to a for-profit corporation, like the pharmaceutical companies and cor corrupt regulatory agencies like the NIH, CDC, and FDA. Members of Congress and the Senate must immediately demand the DOD present their investigation and summary findings of all VAERS reports on service members. The impact of relentless coercion, intimidation, threats, abuse of authority, blatant disregard for bodily autonomy and religious freedom has directly resulted in devastation to medical readiness in the form of failed recruiting, retention, mass resignation, forced separations of personnel that hold critical military occupational specialties, in addition to the attrition from vaccine-induced medical injury. Despite the totality of the, this devastation to our force, senior leaders and officials at the highest levels will not pivot from this self-inflicted castration of our national defense. Evidence for SARS-CoV-2 and COVID vaccinations as bioweapons. <clears throat> when I trained at Fort Detrick, in the medical management of chemical and biological casualties, we were trained that the one thing that prevented adversaries from deploying bioweapons was that in order for them to have a strategic impact, our enemies would have to have a delivery mechanism that would allow them to expose a large enough population of people in a short period of time before people knew they were being attacked. For example, dispersion in the air would be cumbersome and ineffective given UV light, dispersion, wind patterns, and that there are generally not significantly large enough numbers of people outside concentrated in small areas. Likewise, attempting to put them in water would have limited effectiveness because of dilution, degradation from chloride, etc. But what if hundreds of millions of people would willingly allow themselves to be injected with a bioweapon? What if global mass vaccination could be accomplished in a short period of time by applying relentless coercion tactics and psychological operations to demoralize people into submission? <clears throat> I am compelled to inform you that after reviewing all the available evidence, I have concluded that the NIH gain of function research led to the development of a more lethal 
more transmissible coronavirus, and that the same stakeholders involved in the development of this bioweapon leveraged the global terror and fear that this bioweapon produced to advance a political narrative that would ultimately decimate individual rights and bodily autonomy by making Americans submit to injection <clears throat> that makes every recipient's body manufacture the gain-of-function bioweapon spike protein. Again, it is my professional medical opinion that a bioweapon was produced through gain-of-function technology, that when you then um, messenger RNA delivery system through mandatory vaccinations was used to strategically deliver the bioweapon into the body of millions upon millions of Americans and people around the world. <clears throat> Ask yourself if the DOD had refused to risk the health of our armed forces with a vaccine that we had minimal safety data on, would, the, would you, the American people, have so willingly taken the jab? Isn't the DOD mandating their entire force get vaccinated not the highest endorsement for safety a drug could receive? Which of our enemies would not want to get a handful of key people in authority to mandate the injection of our entire fighting force with a drug that could compromise the short and long-term health of our force and thereby disable our national defense? Time has proven. <clears throat> Time has now proven that not only does this experimental drug not protect individuals against infection or prevent transmission, but it also poses an unacceptable level of risk and harm to patients. So why do senior military leaders committed to the health and readiness of our military continue to implement policies that will purge hundreds of thousands of service members out of the armed forces for refusing to consent to being injected with an ineffective and dangerous drug. <clears throat> Is it possible that the $97 million a day the pharmaceutical companies are making is compromising our military? <clears throat> Under the guise of medical readiness, top leaders demanded execution of unlawful orders for service members to get vaccinated with a fully FDA-approved vaccine, all the while knowing that not a single vial of the FDA-approved vaccine existed in the United States. So the law was subverted by convincing commanders that the EUA and fully FDA-approved products were interchangeable. Interchangeable. Tell that to my 24-year-old pilot with permanent cardiac heart damage, who has no legal recourse for financial restitution from the same pharmaceutical companies making record-breaking profits off the product that destroyed his future. <clears throat> the concept of interchangeability was a fraud per perpetrated on service members. Are DOD policies protecting service members, or are they only serving to protect the financial interests of the pharmaceutical companies, which the DOD has partnered with to ensure Big Farm had a large enough captive patient population necessary to attain their EUA and FDA vaccine approval? 
There is a level of product safety that only comes when mega corporations like pharmaceutical companies can be held financially and legally accountable for the harm their products cause. On December 15th, 2021, U.S. Freedom Flyers, Dr. Chambers and myself, along with 10 other experts, sent a letter to the FAA and all major air carriers advising them that according to the FAA's own do not issue policy, a flight certificate cannot be issued to any pilot that has taken <clears throat> a drug that has not been FDA approved for at least 12 months. Since there is no FDA approved vaccine available in the United States, every pilot who received a vaccine is flying in violation of FAA policy. <clears throat> The FAA failed to safeguard aviation safety through adherence and compliance with their own aeromedical policies. Bruce McGray is an FAA federal investigator with deep ties to aviation in Alaska. With over 12 years of flying for Alaska Air Guard and Wien uh, Airlines, Mr. McGray recently investigated the FAA's deviation from their own medical certification requirements. On July 18th, 2022, he submitted the findings of his investigations to the FAA in which he concluded the COVID vaccine complications present a real and imminent risk to aviation safety. Dr. Chambers and I have worked on safety screening protocols to help ensure aviation safety through screening pilots for deadly post-vaccination complications like myocarditis. We have worked with U.S. Freedom Flyer President Josh Yoder to provide a voice and an unwavering support to vaccine-injured pilots and aircrew by demanding airlines do not compromise aviation safety by implementing politically motivated mandates. Doctors, politicians, employers, military leaders, scientists, fellow Americans, if you have been on the wrong side of this, Take the courageous action, humble yourselves, pivot with a repentant heart, and stop terrorizing your fellow Americans. Stop allowing fear to drive your actions. We can only move forward as a unified people. To those of you who have perpetrated this global crime against humanity, I say to you, woe. Woe to you workers of iniquity, for all have all you have done in darkness is and will be brought to light. <clears throat> Americans, will you sleep soundly in your beds, warm by the fires of your republic burning around you? Will you bend your knee to tyranny today and offer up the children, offer up the arms of your children to evil tomorrow? Let our children never say we were cowards in the face of evil. Seek wisdom, pursue truth, and put your trust in the Lord. Hold the line. <clears throat>